Welcome to your weekly astrological weather. This is your place to get practical guidance for not only surviving, but thriving with the cosmic tides. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. We are so happy to be here with all of you. My name is Amanda Poole Walsh. I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. And today's very, very special guest is Master Astrologer Rick Merlin Levine. Many of you know Rick Levine. We have been doing the Cosmic Connection show on this podcast for like a year at least. More than, more than that. More than a year, yes. And Rick is absolutely an Astrology Hub favorite. So, and I don't think we've ever had him do a weekly weather spot. He does the month ahead, which is always so amazing. But to have you for a week, it feels like a treat. Amanda, for 20 some odd years, I've been writing dailies. I've written books that are annual books for Barnes and Noble. As you know, I do a monthly thing both with you and on my YouTube channel. I've never done a week. I'm a, I'm a virgin. Be gentle. <laughs> we will be so gentle and kind. Amazing. All right. Well, this is um, extra special. I didn't even know that. Yeah. And I think let's just, well, actually, before we dive in, we do have another opportunity to study with Rick Levine open right now. We are doing the chart reading extravaganza part two. Part two is focused on timing and transits. So any of you that are interested in understanding how an astrologer would look at a chart, not any astrologer, this astrologer would look at a chart and, and identify timing rhythms, um, answer questions like, is this the right time for me to launch my business? Is this the year I'm going to find love? You know, all those questions that people hold, he's going to be demonstrating that live as he's reading students' charts as a part of our chart, chart reading extravaganza part two. Do you want to say anything about that, Rick? Uh, no. I've, well, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm so looking forward to this because, uh, you know, as you know, we've done the chart reading live before and people really, really like that. There's something that's very different and very special, actually watching someone getting their chart uh, read or worked on by someone else. And that person will be on video. It'll be a student in the class. It'll be real time. We'll do two each week for four weeks, but we're going to be focusing on, although we'll be reading the natal chart also, we're going to be focusing on how do we pick out the timing event? How do we pick out what's important now? If I look at your chart today, Amanda, versus three years ago, versus five years into the future, I would focus on very different things because I'm not just interested in reading a natal chart. I'm interested in being relevant to you in your life in this moment. So that's exciting to me. It's one of my favorite aspects of astrology. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's one of the most useful aspects of astrology. I mean, it's I why you're all here for the weekly weather every week because exactly. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's the, the weekly thing. weather, but applied to one person in particular rather right. than the general everyone. Right, exactly. All right. So if you are interested in joining us, you can learn more and enroll now at astrologyhub.com slash timing. And we'd love to have you in class. That's astrologyhub.com slash timing. And remember, if you're an inner hub member or an inner circle member at Astrology Hub or one of my Patreon students, you either already have or will be getting later today 
um, a uh, discount um, code for 20% off. Yes. Thank you for that reminder. Okay. So let's start with the theme. What are we looking at this week? We just came off a huge week with the Jupiter, Neptune, and Pisces conjunction. What, how is that theme playing out or continuing to play out? Well, look, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is not going to lighten its you mean, intensity. You mean Jupiter-Neptune. I, all right, let's, <laughs> let's hit. There's the rewind. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction um, is not going to lighten its intensity until Jupiter moves into Aries in May. Hmm. And in fact, until Mars then, uh, first Venus, but then Mars will sweep across that um, those two planets. And it's really not until then that that energy is going to settle down. I mean, we are in such a Jupiter-Neptune phase and I know I mentioned this on the um, um, Cosmic Connection when we talked last time, but I find it totally bizarre that Jupiter, which is about size, for Jupiter, size matters. <laughs> and, and the largest ship in the Navy, um, which is a military um, arm that has to do with the sea, which is Neptune's realm, the largest ship in the Russian Navy, Jupiter, was sunk by a missile on within a day of the exact Jupiter-Neptune conjunction by a missile that is called the Neptune missile. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you can't make this stuff up. Well, and also they're, they're in the ocean, which is the realm of Pisces and Neptune. Right. right? Well, that's what I meant. The Navy in itself yes. is about the ocean, which is right. Neptune. So right. we have Jupiter, the largest ship in the Navy on a seagoing ship, Neptune destroyed by um, by Neptune. And of course, it was just a couple of days after Mars entered the sign of Neptune, you know, Mars, the god of war. Anyhow, yeah. that's last week's news, but but it's also this week's news. And if I'm going to really project ahead to next week and say, what is the theme for the week? It's uh, the, the theme for the week is compassionate determination. Mm. Or one could say determined compassion. I don't care which way you go with that, but those two words capture the four planets in Pisces that will, you know, that, that include Mars, Venus, Neptune, and Jupiter, all in Pisces. And in fact, by early next week, which I know under contract, I'm not allowed to talk about, but, <laughs> but the moon sneaks into Pisces um, on the 25th. And so there we're going to have five planets in Pisces and there's the origin of the word compassion mm. because Pisces is that there's no boundary between me and anyone and anything else. And therefore a feeling if you're hurting, I'm hurting. There's that sense of um, of that compassion for others, which is very much a higher level of Neptune speak, if you will. So that's the compassion side of determined compassion or compassion determination. And the determination side is the fact that on Tuesday of this week, on April 19th, the sun moves uh, into Taurus. And once the sun moves into Taurus, we're going to have three planets and the North Node in Taurus, creating this cluster of energy around determination. Because although there are many other keywords that could be used for either Pisces, compassion, 
Taurus determination. Determination is a good one because because it captures that idea of Taurian simplicity. Um, and by simplicity here, I don't mean I don't mean simple Simon. I don't mean stupid. I mean getting back to basics because Taurus has a very high level of concentration when it comes to being focused on one thing. You know, the best way to throw a Taurus off track is to, you know, throw a Gemini in their path and have them distracted and and they'll go, no, I can't, don't, don't. I'm, you know, but but oh. so we so we have this energy of really, even though we start the week with the sun still in Aries, there's not a whole lot of Aries energy. We have Chiron that's been sitting in Aries for a long time and the sun at the tail end of Aries. But most of the week, there's only Chiron left in Aries and it'll be there all year. And so we really have Aries straddled on either side by a total of seven planets plus the nodal axis. And so we have this determined compassion or compassionate determination. I love it. Okay. So Rick, which three planets are in Taurus? The three planets that, well, um, on on today or on Monday, um, there's only two planets in Taurus, and that's Mercury and Uranus. Mm-hmm. And um, and and however, by Tuesday, the sun joins the crowd. So we have the sun in Taurus, Uranus in Taurus, Mercury in Taurus, and the north node um, in Taurus still having to back all the way through Taurus because the node goes in in reverse or or in retrograde. In a way, this is an unusual period for Taurus because normal planets, normally planets that go into Taurus slow down Mm. um, in order to get on path, in order to get to where they're going. Um, You know, the Taurus is the, the, the Aries versus Taurus is the traditional story of the hare and the Taurus. The hare and the Taurus, the hare and the tortoise. <laughs> Freud would thank me for that one because Aries, as the hare, is off to this incredible start and races ahead. And then it says, I have time for a nap. And meanwhile, the tortoise or the Taurus is just kind of plodding on through in its very simplistic next step, next step, next step, next step. And so we have this unusual situation where we have planets that are moving through Taurus this year all have to meet up one at a time with Uranus, which is not just next step, next step. It's, oh my God, next step. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it's like someone turned the electricity on and, and there's a little bit of honorary Aquarian high frequency, you know, craziness there, which is very different than Taurus. And that's going to be like that for another few years because Uranus spends seven years in a sign. So if someone's just been studying astrology for the last couple of years and they're experiencing different Taurian people, they might get a very different sense about Taurus than what it really is because we have this Uranus factor, Uranus factor in here um, that kind of speeds things up Um, last week. Um, on April 17th, um, I say last week because we're technically on the 18th and on, um, but uh, on Sunday, Mercury lined up with Uranus, high frequency buzz. Mm-hmm. Now, the sun just enters Uranus um, on the 19th later in the day, 
but the sun will eventually line up with Uranus and the sun catches up with Uranus um, right around May 4th. And again, that's a little bit down the road, but somehow the universe anticipates these events in the future. And so although it's compassionate determination or determined compassion, there's also a little bit of anxiety wrapped around all of this that kind of has us like um, like mosquitoes before a storm. We're kind of like we're swarming, we're buzzing. We're, oh, interesting. We're on okay. And is that because we are anticipating something that is kind of edgy that is around the, the sun's corner? annual alignment with with Uranus in any sign is basically a day of unexpected, you know, activity. And 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 although this is not quite on the new moon, the the the, the new moon, which I think is on April 30th, is an eclipse. Mm. And so that's a solar eclipse and it's within a few degrees of Uranus. And so we have this solar eclipse technically conjunct, conjuncting Uranus oh. that is adding to this to this sense of uncertainty. Um, I mean, this may be tied to um, kind of uh, media and um, uh, discussions of of um, COVID reappearing in places suddenly, or the um, Russian Ukrainian war, and what's going to happen with that escalation or or not, um, and or inflation. Um, and or the January 6th, you know, insurrection committee and what's coming out there. I mean, there are so many different events and depending upon where you are in the world, that might vary. But all these things are adding to kind of an un-Torian, not as determined because there's factors in here that we just don't know about yet. Mm. And can you give us a couple of examples of what compassionate determination or determined compassion might look like in our lives? Like how, how would that show up? I can think of one, one very quick example. And that is in the world, which is so bifurcated. Now there's so many things in which, you know, in which we're identified with one side or the other. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we can stay in what I think would be, neutral ground to discuss this by talking about the Russian-Ukrainian war. Now, most people that we know um, are very heavily invested in the, in the idea that the Ukrainians are defending democracy and freedom and all of that. But there is another side to this. And there are people who hold a position that is different from that. How do we have compassion for them so that we at least can understand that? Because otherwise, we're just going to be at war over everything. And of course, this goes to all the other discussions that I talked about earlier, where whatever the issue is, I know there are two sides to it, but I know that your side's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and, and so you, you can be having an argument with me, but I'm not having an argument with you because I know I'm right. Mm. So I'm just simply trying to explain to you why, why and how you're right. wrong. Now right. that has so that's my that's my determination. But mm. the problem is is that when we get determined, especially about proving some moralistic high ground on almost any kind of issue, whether it's political or economic or even emotional or personal, involved in well, yesterday you said you would do this and you didn't, or, you know, or whatever. 
we get so involved in the issue that we forget about we get determined to make it right to 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 get the other person to see how wrong they were that we forget about the compassion mm. we can do both at once it's tricky but it's certainly possible to be compassionate for someone who holds a very very different position than you do or i do and it's that compassion that allows a dialogue and i had a philosophy professor back in the stone age when i was in university um who used to say the dialogue creates the reality the search creates the reality when we stop looking we get stuck with whatever reality we have and of course that's the problem for so many people and unfortunately taurus does feed into that a little bit because although taurus can be determined it can be determined to hold my position regardless of what the facts are oh you're just throwing these things that you're calling facts at me to you know to distract me i know i'm right so what you're saying can't be right well i have the paper here no the paper has been forged well we have this recording of this person oh don't believe that they said it under pressure and so that's the shadow side of the determination here is that we can be so determined that we're right that it that will never change our position so we have to be determined not to be correct but determined to find truth. Mm. And that's a little bit trickier if we're invested in one side of whatever the equation is versus the other. Mm, so good. Thank you. That's really helpful to to make it come to life and see how these kinds of themes might be showing up in our lives. I mean, we're so fast at dismissing. Yeah. Uh, I I am too. You know, if someone comes up with some some something they say, I go, that's just bullshit. You can't really believe that. You know, and what I've immediately done is I've stretched the tightrope into an opposition and an opposition is not going to be resolved because that tight because the energy is pulling away from the center. Compassion, the Pisces energy, basically softens the energy of the tightrope and in a way it softens the boundary between between you and me so that we can go to a perspective where we can see that we differ in conclusion we may be even different in our differ in our understanding of reality but we can at least join in our commonality for search for truth if we're willing to admit that we might have been sold a bill of goods by someone some situation some jumping to a conclusion and i would say this on almost any issue that exists applying that logic is possible and unfortunately when we apply that logic it always doesn't come out in ultimately the way that you think it would or that you wanted to and yet there's another important thing here is it turns out that these issues that we see as black and white are often 256 shades of gray Oh gosh. You know what Rick, you have been one person who has really helped me do all the above and I can't say I'm perfect at it, but because one of the things that we explored so much last year was how do you know what you know? How like you think you know what you know, but but when you really start to investigate how you know what you know, 
there's some faulty, you know, it's because someone told me it's because I read it in a book. It's because that's what everyone's saying. It's because, you know, all these things that we, we think we know, and we become attached to. So by you, by you starting that inquiry, when you did it, and actually, so I think it started in 2020. I think we started asking that question in 2020, Uh, but, but what it did for me was it brought in this level of humility of like, you know what? I don't really know. Like, I, learned I need that to tell school. you. I, I need it. to tell you where in my life I was confronted in that with that in a way that I did not expect, okay. and in some ways it prepared me for February, March, April of 2020 mm. when we were dealing with the front edge of COVID, mm-hmm. and then the um, um, March, April, May, June when we were dealing with the Black Lives Matter and the racial component that mm-hmm. came back at us like. I would say out of nowhere, but obviously it was only out of nowhere if we weren't paying attention, that whole thing by itself. But where I, I mean, what you just described is, is, is incredibly important. And where I confronted this is actually from a place that's going to sound rather strange based upon my position. But um, when I was in Indonesia, this is probably five or maybe six, five, six, seven years ago, I came across a whole bunch of people who I totally respected, brilliant people, smart people who were all very convinced that the earth was flat. Mm -hmm. And I listened to these people and said, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. And they showed me videos of things that, and, and I have to say, I, I can't, I can't say that I ever, bought the idea that the earth was flat. But what I did buy was the idea that how did I know anything? Right. How do I know that w- other than what we've been told by something, by someone, you know, is, is the way it is. I don't, I don't want to get into flat earth. I only want to say that everything that we think we know is like that, even though it may not be as obvious mm-hmm. and unlike flat earth, I mean, the earth is either flat or it's not. There is no middle ground. And with all these other issues, there turns out to be a lot of middle ground that when we go to one black or white answer, we're actually losing a lot of very important nuance. And it makes it much more difficult because there aren't easy answers to a lot of questions that once we go to that place and make it black or white, it's easy. Hmm. And so I think that this is and this is certainly part of something that was a theme of not only last year, 2021, but also this year, all the way up through the end of the year. Because remember, although the Uranus, the Saturn Uranus square was exact for the third and final time in uh, around on Christmas Eve, Eve of 2021, they're coming closer again together now and will come closer and closer together until um, about a month before election day. And we'll see this same bifurcation of old versus new, of conservative versus progressive, of um, yes versus no, of um, of uh, of uh, again, pick whatever the issues are and make your sides. I, I don't care what they are. And it turns out that even though we might have an answer and a solution, our answer and solution is not an answer. It's not a one size fits all answer. And, and so here in these planets in Pisces, and in particular, the Jupiter Neptune conjunction, which I, I'm, I'm tired 
of of all the astrologers who have picked this Jupiter Neptune conjunction to forget that even good things cast shadows. It's I've sometimes said, well, the nice thing about Sagittarius is you don't have a shadow. Sagittarians <laughs> don't cast shadows. And of course, I say that tongue in cheek because there's, there's a shadow to everything. And in fact, the brighter the light, the greater the shadow, but the harder it is to see it because we tend to look toward the light rather than than the dark. And and I'm not saying that Jupiter and Neptune is a terrible thing. It's potentially a wonderful thing, but it has its shadow. And part of its shadow is it can help us gloss over the fact that whatever we think we know is not necessarily the truth with a capital T, because there may be no such thing as truth with a capital T. Mm. There may be your truth and my truth. Wow. So fascinating. Okay. So let's bring it back into this week. We've this week. Yeah. So we have all these planets in Pisces, four planets in Pisces. We have three planets in Taurus. So we have this theme of compassionate determination or determined compassion. We have this little buzzing of anxiety potentially behind the scenes. Uh, what else do we have happening this week that we should pay attention to? Well, yeah, there, there, there's a few things. I mean, just running through the week really quickly. Um, Monday is not an easy day. It actually, I think it'll get tough on Sunday night, but that's up to someone else to talk about. Um, because early on Monday morning, we have a Venus sextile Uranus, which a lot of people love because it's, it's the attraction to things that are new and different which is great unless I know what I love and I don't want to be distracted by something new and different, in which case Venus Uranus sextile may not be all that easy. And you combine that with the fact that on Monday morning, the 18th, we also have the sun square Pluto. And here we have a power struggle set to be ignited. We have, you know, we have people going further out in their beliefs on either side and um, and and the moon during this time is in Scorpio, and so people are really holding their position. That sun, um, yeah, the sun squaring Pluto, sun at the very end of Aries squaring Pluto. This is actually really who's in charge here. Um, it's people who are convinced that there's stuff going on that the other side isn't seeing. Um, we do also have on Monday uh, Mercury quintile Mars. And I know a lot of astrologers don't pay attention to the quintiles, but they are creative and they are potentially solution oriented. With Mercury quintile Mars, there may be a breakthrough here in our ability to communicate something that relieves the pressure of Mars the warrior. Monday is a difficult day, but the moon in Scorpio is actually um, making nice to the Neptune-Jupiter conjunction. Remember, Neptune and Jupiter are conjoined at the end of Pisces, and therefore the moon at the end of Scorpio is basically trining it. And by the end of Monday, 7 p.m., 7.16 p.m. Pacific time, later, obviously, uh, later in the evening on the east coast of the U.S., the moon goes into Sagittarius, and here's where we take a breath. And we get to Tuesday, and Tuesday is one of the most twisted days I've seen. Not bad. On Tuesday evening, the sun moves into Taurus. And this is a settling of the Aries energy. We, we know that for the last month, especially with um, the Ukrainian-Russian war, that we've been pushed right to the edge of what's new. And Aries can also have that Martian militant energy. On Tuesday morning, the 19th, very early in the morning, the moon squares Mars. I mean, it, it, it may be even that it's felt late on Monday night. 
but there's that energy. The thing that happens on Tuesday is the sun at 724 p.m. Pacific time moves into Taurus and it's like, it's like things settle down. But there's another aspect that occurs um, just minutes before the sun moves into Taurus, and that's Mercury, the communicator planet, makes a septile, not a sextile, but a septile with Jupiter. Septiles are otherworldly. They're, they're fate-oriented. And normally, if there was just one septile and some so close to a sun-changing signs, I'd say the septile would get lost. I wouldn't even mention it. It's not important. However, through the day of Tuesday, the moon makes one, two, three, four, five septile aspects to Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, Mercury. And remember, Mercury is septile in Jupiter uh, and to Jupiter. And, and so there's going to be this strangeness. My, um, Tuesday is a day where something happens that doesn't fit into everything else that we thought we knew. And then by evening, as the sun moves into Taurus, it, things can maybe settle down and they can temporarily feel more normal. Wednesday, I don't want to say it's a nothing happens day, but there's no major aspects. There's no planetary aspects. There's lunar aspects. And the moon does make a square to the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction midday, which may cause us that moon in Sagittarius, it may encourage us to think about some of these things that we make as assumptions. Because the moon in Sagittarius squaring Sagittarius's ruling planet Jupiter and Neptune. Remember, Neptune is not only the planet of spirituality and imagination, it's also the pl planet of crazy, of delusional, you know, of, of confusion, of not knowing what's going on. And so I think that on Wednesday, we're getting some of that from the square. And yet by evening, by 8.52 p.m., Pacific time, the moon slips into Capricorn. And then within a couple of hours, the moon in Capricorn trines the newly Taurus sun. And now by midweek, it's like, a, oh, my God, I can put my feet on the ground. I have someplace to stand. And, and I think that that sticks with us through most of Thursday, the moon being in Capricorn all day on Thursday. It sextiles Mars early in the morning. It trines Uranus um, in the evening. And so we even can stretch ourselves and go to places that we might not have gone before. But we're not we're not losing our center. Thursday is a day when we get to hold our center. And it's a good day to refocus our energy on the center um, so that we can maintain our center of gravity. On Friday, the moon stays in Capricorn most of the day. It moves into Aquarius 11.17 p.m. on the East Coast, which means that, I'm sorry, on the West Coast in the Pacific time, which means that on the East Coast, the moon moves into, into Aquarius at um, 7 o'clock, 7, 8, 9, 7, 7, 8, 9, 10, at 8 o'clock, at 8.17 p.m. But the moon moving through the latter degrees of Capricorn is going to do what? It's going to line up with Pluto. And so we have a little bit of intensity as the evening kind of rolls um, toward us as the moon approaches Pluto. Prior to that, the only aspects the moon makes are a, and listen to the aspects rather than the planets it's connecting with. The moon sextiles Venus, trines Mercury, trines the nodal axis, sextiles Neptune, sextiles Jupiter. This is a sweet Capricorn moon. Friday is a day to get things done, and it's a day to not be lazy, 
um, because we are working off the upside, the best, if you will, of the Capricorn moon. We hit Saturday and um, and we come into the um, on Saturday, we come into the third quarter moon, um, the moon having moved into Aquarius squares the sun. Now, remember, we're a week away from the um, solar eclipse that someone else will talk about uh, for next week. But this is a dynamic changing period. It's like we have this crisis in, in how we think about things and what to bring forward and, not, and what not to be. The moon actually squares the sun early in the morning on Saturday, 4.56 a.m. Pacific time. And, and other than that, the moon squares Uranus because the sun and Uranus are both in Taurus. Um, and that happens late in the day at 11.35 p.m. Pacific time. So Monday, I'm sorry, Saturday is a bit of um, instability because we're dealing with this conflict between the moon wanting to push us into the new, into the Aquarius, into the group consciousness, while the planets in Taurus are saying, nope, I got a job to do. You know, I got to get back to the barn for milking. I got to finish the chore, whatever that Taurian thing is. That's on Saturday, which then brings us to Sunday. Sunday is a high action day because early in the day we have Mercury squaring Saturn and Mercury sex, sextiling Neptune and the moon squaring Mercury. Now, I, I said three separate things, but I want to break them down because together they encompass the whole day and they're reconfirmed by the fact that the moon moving through Aquarius aligns with Saturn in Aquarius. And so there's this sense of needing to pull things together, of meeting hardship, of meeting authority, of having to deal with reality. Sunday is a reality check, but again, it begins with Mercury square Saturn. Mercury, how we think, how we talk, what we hear, what we say. Squaring Saturn is like, oh my God, I misread that. Or uh, we might go into over-denial and therefore try to convince someone of the truth when we know our arguments are stretching the facts. But that Mercury square Saturn is an important beginning to the day of that reality check. And then by mid-afternoon, Mercury makes makes a sextile with Neptune. We can soften our energy quite a bit. But if we soften it too much, the moon's conjunction with um, Saturn an hour later can clobber us. And in fact, we end the day with the moon not only conjoining Saturn, but squaring Mercury. Remember, Mercury squaring Saturn. So the moon is coming over and hitting that square. Boom, boom. And so Sunday is a, is, is a bit of a reality check. It's a day to get real, especially in our communication. It's a day to listen to what people say. It's a day to take in the facts and say, these are facts. Um, they don't necessarily correspond with my beliefs and my opinions, but these are facts. And if I don't take them into consideration, I'm missing the point, which mm. then brings us to Monday, which is outside of the realm of our contract. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So amazing. Very, very helpful. Very clear. Is there anything else in the week that you think we should be aware of? It, it just that that when we focus on a week, we're looking at a part of a larger scenario. And right. that larger scenario still has the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. It still has Venus in Pisces inching towards its conjunction to Neptune and Jupiter, which it does on the 27th that conjuncts Neptune. And then on May 1st, it conjuncts Jupiter. And Mars is still coming into that. 
and Mars doesn't reach its conjunction to to Neptune until May 18th. And by then, Jupiter's already in Aries, believe it or not. Oh, my God. And then Jupiter, um, then Mars moves into Aries um, on May 25th and catches up with Jupiter a couple days later. And, And so we have to look at this week within this larger context of what's real, what's not real, how are we um, incorporating facts into what's real, and how are we going to be, what are we going to be determined about? Are we going to be determined about proving everyone else wrong and ourselves right? Or are we going to be determined to reach a higher cause and be determined to find the truth, regardless of who's right and wrong, with the understanding that truth is more important than an ego that needs approval mm. or a politician that needs to be reelected. <laughs> I have a friend who says truth is sexy. We can okay. go with that. Yeah. Well, um, I, 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 again, I think that that's, I think that that is true, but in a way it gets to the fact that that intimacy is sexy and intimacy can't occur unless there's truth. Ooh, yes, Exactly. Exactly. Right. Okay. So broad brush strokes for the week. We have still this Piscean energy. Uh, We have these planets moving into Taurus. We have the the Jupiter and Neptune themes still very much alive. We on Monday today, we may have a breakthrough in our ability to communicate. This could be the, I think the most challenging day of the week from what I heard or Sunday. I mean, both of them Monday or Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, but Tuesday, remember, Tuesday has some stuff that we can't quite wrap our brains yes. around. For I like some people things. that'll be that'll be difficult. Others, I like the things you said about Tuesday. So basically, yeah, other people said, will think it's really cool. Right. <laughs> you said it's, we need to have a very open mind about this day because you said that it's twisted, but not necessarily in a bad way, that things could happen that it feels sort of otherworldly or fate oriented. There's a strangeness or something weird happens. Like it's just, you can't, can't quite put your finger on it and it might feel sort of surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Remember one person's medicine is another person's toxin. Yeah, exactly. I mean, astrology shows us that in so many different ways all the time. Yes. Okay. On Wednesday, there's no major aspects. One of the the pieces of advice you gave us was to question assumptions. Right. That's, that's a day for that Thursday. These, this is going to be a day where you, you can start to feel grounded. You can start to feel centered. I have a place to stand. This is a good day to focus on your center. Uh, This, when you were describing it, it was like, oh, this is when we finally really feel the Taurus energy compounded with Capricorn energy. So it's, it's pretty earthy. Like it's going to feel pretty earthy. Yeah. And not as earthy as Friday, though. Friday's even more earthy. You say, don't Until be the lazy. End of the day. Right. You said, don't be lazy on this day. Get things done. That it's it's a sweet day is what you said, how you described it. And then Saturday, this uh, could bring some instability back into the equation. This conflict between the new and fresh kind of ideas and the realities of like the mundane reality, like the things that you actually just have to do and get done. And so maybe a little bit of a clashing there. Sunday, you described as high action and it is a reality check day. Reality check. Yes. So there could be over denial, watch for misreading things, listen to what people have to say, listen to like, try to identify the facts, but all in all, a theme that you've come back to over and over is this truth with a capital T. What is actual truth? And maybe the truth is that 
there's lots of truths. And maybe right. the truth is there isn't only one truth. Yeah. I think on Sunday, part of part of that is the you said truth is is sexy. Mm-hmm. I think vulnerability um is more important. It's it's like the ego loves to be right. Mm-hmm. You know, we we stand ourselves next to people that that we think are right so we can be self-righteous, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But but the people that we stand ourselves next to might not have the same issues that that we have. And so I think on Sunday, the important thing is to uh, um, is to question our motives when we when we when we eliminate something and go, nope, that can't be, you know, fill it in with it with whatever email that you got that made you go, oh, that person's crazy. Delete. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should just automatically believe it. But as my friend Caroline Casey says, entertain possibilities. Mm. You know, there to do that. I think one of the reasons why we we side with certain positions and we get staunchly attached to those is because there's a sense of safety in that. There's like a perceived safety that you understand the world, you understand reality, you understand your place in it. And so to entertain possibilities it kind of shakes that foundation. It of takes that strength. Certainty. It takes courage. It does. It does. It takes strength, courage, vulnerability, the ability. Also that word that came in earlier, humility, the, the possibility that you're wrong. But I think one of the tricks that we can all work on is if, if I don't understand, if I am wrong, if I read that wrong, you know, whatever it, it's okay. Like I, that doesn't make me wrong. That doesn't make the world wrong. That doesn't make, that doesn't make everything wrong. I, I can, you know, I not can, only is it okay. It actually shows your strength mm. because being admitting wrong in um, acknowledging one's own shortcomings of perceptions actually takes is a strength, not a weakness. We're trained in our society to, you know, never show them your weak side that's a sign of weakness. No, that actually is a sign of strength because you're showing up as you are and not as you think you have to be. Oh, so true. And Rick, have you ever been in a conversation with someone or an argument with someone where you get to a point where you're like, you know what? You might be right. It's like the whole thing dissolves. I just got <laughs> to that point right now. You might be right. <laughs> Nice. Rick, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I mean, I think I think you did an amazing job with your first weekly weather. And maybe, you know, maybe well, again, a, Amanda, as I said at the said I said at the beginning, my favorite thing about astrology is the timing. It's why I write a daily. Right. You know, because which which you can find on Instagram, Rick Levine Astrologer. Um, but the reason I do that is because there's something in every moment that is magical that we can that we can work with. The um, horoscope extravaganza, uh, chart reading extravaganza for the month of May, astrologyhub.com slash timing. That's going to be more of this kind of stuff where we're looking at things conceptually and then we're saying, okay, let's bring it into the real world and make it real. Let's pick a target, aim at it, hit that target and see what we can do about it. So much fun. Can't wait for that. It begins May 5th. It will be every Thursday in May. For each session's about 90 minutes, right? Rick? Probably two hours. Two hours. Okay. And if you yeah. miss it, if you can't be at the live sessions, they're all recorded. You get access to the recording in 24 hours. It lives in your online uh, astrology hub, your online learning portal for life. So if you want to join us for that, it's an amazing experience. You also may be one of the lucky students 
whose chart gets read. So that's, I mean, Rick has a like three-year waiting list for reading. So just the chance that you could actually be one of the lucky students that gets their chart read. Oh, Bye, Rick. don't remind me. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, <laughs> every single time we have an episode with you, people in the comments go, does Rick, does Rick do readings? And I, I always want to just, I kind of feel bad because it's like, well, yes, but you're going to have to wait a long, 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 long time. Unless you're a student in this class and you happen to be one of the lucky ones whose chart gets selected to do the demonstrations with which is a total treat. Uh, but anyways, that registration is open, astrologyhub.com slash timing. We'd love to have you in class. And Rick, I'd love to have you back on the weekly weather. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, to all of, thanks to all of you for being here, for tuning in each week, for contributing your energy, for being interested, you know, for, for being interested in seeing the magic of each moment, like Rick was just describing and participating with it. You know, I, I think what's so cool about astrology students is you're aware that there is this opportunity to really engage with and co-create with these energies. You know, they're happening, but our awareness of them happening actually brings us into the dance with the cosmos. And it's it's a beautiful thing. So thanks for being willing and able and just showing up. It's so much fun to do this with you. Thank you as for always making astrology a part of your life. And Rick, we'll see you soon. Cosmic connection this week on Thursday. So you, you're going to be, you're getting around. No rest for the wicked. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks everybody. And we will see you on the next episode. Hi, this is Rick Levine. And I'm back here on the astrology hub to take your astrological studies to the next level. This course chart reading extravaganza part two our focus is going to be on exploring timing techniques. Each of the four classes will give you the tools that you need to understand the relationship between the natal chart and the ever-changing landscape of the present moment. Also, we'll learn how to make concrete plans in the present in order to maximize opportunities that will only reveal themselves in the future. We'll feature the charts of two students per class, and you'll have an opportunity to submit your birth data to be used as a demonstration chart when you register for the course. I sincerely hope that you can join me for this fun and inspirational astrological adventure. See you in class.